0: As my businesses started to evolve, I realized that if I helped coaches become really great coaches and business owners, they, then it's the snowball effect. So then it's 100,000 people, 100,000 clients in health in general. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily need to, to work with them one on one, but if I train you and you train, you know, hundred thousand people over the course of your career. Now we're now we're. I call really it trickle somewhere. down
1: health. You know, there's trickle yeah. down economics. Yes, it's yes. the idea of trickle down health. You influence people, then they influence. Yep. Them. Yeah, Yes,
0: so I should coin that. That's really you should. That's great. Yeah. that's your book. <laughs>
1: uh, I just had someone channel my book. They're ingenious. I'll tell you about it in a second. But yeah, continue.
0: No, it's just now it's getting to the point where the picture is bigger. It's it's a hundred million women specifically. I started working with women, but now I work with a lot of men in the gym space, supplement space too. Mm-hmm software space yeah
1: hello everyone it's jordan boxer your host of leaders in sport a podcast brought to you by designs for sport which is an industry-leading supplement company with all nsf for sports supplements and education geared to help elevate the industry and support fit pros Everyone, welcome to another episode of Leader in Sport. I'm your host, Jordan Boxer, and I am in the most intense studio I've ever been in. Uh, So I met with my very great friend today who I've known for, what, eight minutes?
0: About eight minutes, yeah, 30 seconds. Mm
1: -hmm. Um, Thank you for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having me. So yeah, I know a little bit about you, but what was really interesting to me is we have a lot of people listening here who have perfected their craft as a strength coach, personal trainer, dietitian but they've sort of neglected the business side. I've had people on here who have sort of ran their own big gym businesses, but not a lot of people have succeeded in being like a multifaceted strength or personal trainer who has the online side. And I'd love to hear how you got into blending your love for business and training and sort of made it a career that you're thriving in.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. There's a lot of actually similarities that align with business and health. You know, in my opinion, and that's how kind of how I teach it because I work with a lot of. I mean, I work with strength coaches, um, women's health coaches, life coaches, and they all they all understand the science, the health science side of things, and the data that comes with it. And business actually can be applied the same way. Okay. So a lot of times, mindset. Coaches will talk about mindset, right? Like 80, 20 twenty. Eighty percent is going to be nutrition. Twenty percent is going to be you know, diet, exercise, I wish
1: that was you know? a little lower of a number.
0: I do. Yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it applies in business in the sense of a lot of it is 80% mindset and 20% your strategy and action. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of similarities there.
1: So yeah, I think that'd be good to go into because most of these like trainers, they're tacticians and I think they fall, they're always trying to come up with the perfect plan, but business is like imperfect action is what I think it is. But it's like sloppy success is better than perfect inactions align. Absolutely. So when you say that it's 80% mindset, 20% action, how can we get a coach to start seeing that and applying it in their day-to-day?
0: I think it ends up, what is your goal? What is your goal with your business? If you're stuck where you're at and plateauing or not able to gain clients, something has to change. Something has to change. And a lot of the times that comes from not having the right strategy in business Mm -hmm. or not. maybe you haven't tried Instagram or social media yet um maybe email campaigns maybe you haven't even maybe you're not even sending emails if you don't have an email list i'm going to inspire everyone listening to gain an email list or start working on building that because it's the biggest it's one of the biggest money makers and the biggest assets you could have in your business remove social media what you still have an email list mm. so you can still gain clients and if you have the right you know if you give your clients results and you have the right retention strategy a lot of your clients are going to stay with you for a long time and that client value is going to increase So a lot of the times, as long as you have some way to, some strategy to onboard these clients, you can keep them a long time as long as you're good at what you do.
1: So there's a, I don't know if you're aware of this theory, the first hundred days of a client is the most crucial. Mm -hmm. And then if you win them over in those first hundred days, the chance of them leaving you, like it decreases like crazy. And emails can be a good way to keep people in the funnel of like working with you, but how, does a coach who's used to just being like hour for hour in the gym start to incorporate emails in their training practice? Cause I think when you think of most personal trainers, they either they're working at a gym like a lifetime or, um, you know, an Equinox, something like that. Maybe they have their own studio, but how do they start thinking themselves in the way that you are, where they're building these funnels, building these communication channels and actually start to incorporate in their day to day? It's
0: that's a big question. <laughs> too it's many a very questions big question. Yeah. Sorry. No, 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 I'm
1: on sorry. a detox right now. My brain is operating <laughs> at 14%. So,
0: No, no. I think it's just a it's a complex question. Meaning if, if a personal trainer wants to go online, that's a different conversation. If they want to stay in the gym, that's also a different conversation. If they want to open their own gym, that's a different kind of conversation. Your strategy is going to be different for building your business, depending on what you want your business to look like. Mm-hmm. So you're going to have to narrow that in what, what on me. Who do you work with most?
1: Well, let's have a couple. Let's, like, role play a few people. Uh, so I always like to first talk to the coach who's the craftsman
0: mm-hmm.
1: who has spent, like, we have a lot of coaches who work with us who have spent, like, $100,000 in education to be the best coach they can be. <clears throat> but then when it comes to, like, building their business, they haven't been able to apply the same sort of knowledge they have at, like, being such a great strength coach mm-hmm. into being equally as good as an entrepreneur. So let's say you're, like, you're a strength coach or you're, you're a personal trainer, you have about, like, 40 training hours a week, you're $150 an hour, but now you want to build your business in a different way because you're getting tired of just doing the hour for hour. Mm-hmm. So I put you into that mindset.
0: Okay. Yeah. Yes. So for someone who wants to build maybe the online portion of their business, um, scale their business... And as a a single human, solopreneur, essentially, you really should start with social media. Everyone rolls their eyes at me. You know, everyone's like, well, there has to be a different way. And unless you want to spend a lot of money on marketing, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: social media is such a wonderful way to not only show your authority in the space and show that you're an expert, but get people to connect with you through story marketing, tell your story, why you're in the space, how, like, if, if I had a coach on social media that told me they spent 100K on education to be really good at what they do. I'm in. You just set yourself apart from a lot of, I mean, majority of influencers and coaches on social media, but no one's going to know that. No one knows that unless you, unless you talk about it. So first start with your social media and start to build traction there would Mm -hmm. be my, my suggestion.
1: So a lot of coaches I talk to though, they get stuck. Like they, they want to take the action on going on social media, but then they get really worried about like, even me right now, we're on this video. I'm like in the back of my head. I'm like, do I look okay? I just purse my lips. Like you start to like, go through this mental chatter, I call it live video nervousness. Mm -hmm. This like anxiety about actually putting your content out there. So I agree with you in principle 100%, but how can we start to shift the perspective of these coaches to be okay with putting their content out there? I think there's two parts to it. One, they don't want to seem inauthentic, and I think our industry's filled with a lot of inauthentic influencer Mm -hmm. types. And two, they're also worried about giving away too much information um because like this is my information I paid all this money to gain it why would I just share it for free this is going to hurt me getting clients because they're going to take my information for free can you speak to those two points
0: yes so the first one being unauthentic if you are teaching something that feels unauthentic to you it's going to come off unauthentic mm-hmm. but if you're genuine and you're in the space for the right reasons you shouldn't have to worry about being authentic or unauthentic on social media if you show up as yourself just like you would in front of a client in the gym You're going to, it's, it's the same exact concept. There's just a camera in front of you now and no client. So we could be speaking to a hundred people on social media, the same way you'd be speaking to that one person in the gym. Right. As long as you believe that you're genuine and as long as you believe that you're operating from an authentic space, you have nothing to lose by putting yourself on social media.
1: And how do you deal with the, I think what holds a lot of people back, they're worried about being judged. Mm -hmm a lot right like people are like that's like a big thing they're worried about putting something out and either being judged by their friends and family their other colleagues or like random strangers Mm -hmm. so you produce a lot of content how do you deal with that demon in your mind like and just push past it or do you not worry about it at all
0: I used to. I mean, you know, I've been on social media for 10 years. I've been in the health space doing online coaching for a, decade. For a long time. How does it make time. you feel
1: that it's been a decade? I
0: just probably aged myself a little bit, but it's, it's crazy. I'm probably
1: a lot older than you, so don't
0: worry. <laughs> it's changed so much in the last 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as, as, far as getting on, on social media and worried about what other people think, first, if you haven't established your purpose and your vision for why you're in this industry, you're so far behind. Mm -hmm. So if you are worried about what other people think, then in my opinion, my humble opinion, it's a very selfish move because you've spent all this money and you have, why else would you spend all this money on education and practice your craft if you're not going to share it with the world? And if that's not your purpose, then we got to rethink what you're doing.
1: So you, do you like coach people individually? Mm -hmm. Like, so how do you help people? Like I have a mission statement I wrote and I say it every single day, but how do you get people to start thinking that way? And really diving into like figuring out their purpose. Cause it's such a big, when you say like, what is your purpose? Originally when I did, it was like tons of existential crisis anxiety. I'm like, wait, what is my purpose? (laughs) So how do you help people discover what their purpose is or why maybe they've picked, they've picked this industry?
0: It doesn't need to be so pressurized, to be honest with you. I know it feels like a lot of pressure. But once you, in this moment, you have different, you know, you different eras of your life. So in this moment, your purpose may be one thing, In 10 years from now, it'll be very different. If you would have told me 10 years ago, starting to coach women in in their health and fitness, if you told me I was sitting here right now, now coaching women in business, I would, I mean, I do men and women, but I would have laughed at you. I would have, I'm like, what? Business. What
1: you know? I didn't how get did, a
0: degree in business. None of that. So,
1: how did you deal with the imposter syndrome?
0: By just doing, just taking action. It's it's really that's all that it is getting over imposter syndrome. If you are secure in your knowledge, you don't you have to accept the fact that you don't know everything, right? No one knows everything. It's constantly changing and evolving. The data is different. Science is changing. A lot of studies happening. So if you are constantly educating yourself and confident in your own practice. Mm-hmm you putting it out there shouldn't be that difficult. Do you
1: um, still deal with it though?
0: Absolutely. It's something that never goes away because there's someone that always has something to say. Even if it's stats and data, someone will be like, well, this study over here negates what you just said. It's like, yeah. well, yeah.
1: I was, so I'm part of Genius Network. Have you heard of Genius mm-hmm, Network? Yeah. And it's so funny. I, I went there, my, this is, so there's a big annual meeting and then you have these little like smaller meetings. Mm-hmm. So I went to the first smaller meeting and Joe, who leads it, was like, What do you want to get out of this event? And, like, right before he said that, this guy's sitting next to me and he's, we're just sort of going around and introducing everybody. And he stands up and he's like, Yeah, it's my first meeting. I just sold my company or half my company for $600 million. And I'm like, Wait, what? <laughs> and then there's this guy who wrote a book. He's like, Benjamin Hardy has like Y10X, he's in the 2X, like Gap mm-hmm. in the Gain this like best-selling author's in front of me and then there's this like other person. Like you just look around the room, it's just filled with these like killers. And right away I'm like, I want to get rid of my imposter syndrome. That's what I wrote down. And we're sitting in like a group and I read it out and everyone starts laughing and they're like, it never goes away. Mm-hmm. So even the guy who sold this company for 600 mil or the person who's written all those books, they still carry this imposter syndrome. Yes. But that was such a relief because then it's like we all carry it all the time. And I see it with a lot of coaches, especially in our space, where it's like, you know, we understand our craft, you get really good at what you do, but you feel like, am I the best one to do this? Is there somebody who's better? Do I have enough knowledge? So I always like to ask people who are like, if I just looked at you on Instagram, it's like, oh, this person has everything together. (laughs) (laughs) But like, (laughs) right? But you're like, "No, no, I still don't feel really I belong here. Yeah,
0: right. Always.
1: Yeah. So... Yeah, it's an interesting to work through.
0: I think being in rooms where people are better than you is a good place to be and the same thing if you you're like, well, if some someone has to be better than me at this, that's a good thing. It's evolution. You you still need to evolve and you still need to grow and spend money on your education and that's you're allowed you have the opportunity to do that and something to be grateful for, Mm-mm. but you have to accept that that's just the way it is. No one's – there's not one expert on one thing that overrules everybody else's education and data and science. And there's there's not one. So it's – Did it
1: freak you out, though, when you realized that no one has their shit together?
0: <laughs> it didn't freak like, me out. It was maybe like, that's oh, the wrong way of God. phrasing it. But <laughs> like-
1: <laughs> it freaked you know? me out because I was like, oh, this guy would have the answers. And it's like, no, actually, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just <laughs> sort of like flying by the seat of my pants.
0: But that's what everyone's doing. Anyone who runs their own business – is flying by the seat of the pants and then trying to figure it out. As long as you're resourceful, as long as you're courageous enough to take actions forward, you're in a really, really good position. But yeah. people who don't post on social media, I'm like, you, you just got to take baby steps. It's just moving forward. You constantly, just like you tell your clients, your health clients, you have to make small decisions every single day. Social media should probably be one of those small decisions.
1: Yeah, one of the things I, I play this in my head is like entrepreneurship is like the, it's like a spiritual journey. Yes, Um, And you sort of hit on some of it where it's like, you're totally responsible. You have to check your ego all the time. Mm -hmm. There's no one to blame but you. So I always like to figure out like what drove you as a person to like not just take a nine to five or go work at some gym or just take the employee route to like go full into being an entrepreneur in this space that we're in that's so saturated, but you still were like, no, I'm going to do it and I'm going to do it well. Like what, what pushed you onto that path?
0: To be honest with you, when I, I guess it would have been right after college, I lost my very best friend in life. Not to get super morbid, but this was the pivotal point in in my business and in my life. She, I mean, you know, she didn't even make it to 25. And I was sitting in a life that was really comfortable. I was in nursing school. I was engaged at the time at 22 years old. You were engaged
1: at 22. I was
0: engaged at 22. Yes, I know. It's crazy. But I wanted that comfortable life to me was... Was
1: and how long ago it, was that? Oh my gosh, it was eight years ago and now. I just aged yeah. you, see? I did Thank it. In a, in a, <laughs> <Thank> <laughs> okay, sorry. So yeah, so you were engaged at 22.
0: Engaged at 22, yeah. but it was comfortable. It was fine, right? Like this, this man—he was great. There's nothing wrong with this man. But once my best friend passed away, I realized how much more to life there was, or could be. That was kind of the, and I didn't want to leave that on the table. So that was kind of the big pivotal moment for me. Was. Well, what am I doing? I'm in nursing school. I was in a fast track program in nursing school after I got my undergrad and I didn't want to be there. I didn't, all all the people coming into clinicals were like, this is great. I love it. And I fucking hated it. I was like, I, this is the last place I want to be. So I ended up leaving after she passed away, left the relationship, moved home and then started actually training people in their homes here in Scottsdale And then it moved on to, you know, I still don't have the freedom I'm looking for financially or time-wise.
1: Because really, it's like, there's different levels to entrepreneurs. There's, actually, do you remember Wolf of Wall Street? Yes. So I went to his, he said it the best way. So he, Jordan Belfort, I went to his like live seminar, I think it was called like leading edge sales or something. Mm -hmm. And he broke people into these buckets and he's like, you have like, I can't remember, there's two lower like level working people, people like, They hate work. They don't want to do anything. They're lazy. Then there's, like, the 9 to 5 clock in, clock out type person. Mm -hmm. Then he goes, where entrepreneurs tend to live are either the grinders or the stars. And he's like, grinders have a false sense of, like, the freedom of an entrepreneur. Because, like, oh, I work for myself. But really it's like, if I don't work this hour, this hour, this hour, I'm done. There's no system to fall back on. Where stars learn how to, like, build a system that allows them total freedom. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting that you say that. Like, did you feel more just, like – Not necessarily an employee, but like a slightly more free version of an employee when you were doing that?
0: When I was in nursing school when I left? When
1: you were doing like the in-person training in the...
0: Oh, I felt like an employee. Absolutely. I had to be there at a certain hour and I was driving around town. I had a very strict schedule. I had to, you know, keep to and then you have a lunch hour that you get to take a break on. It was a, you know, an altered version of working in corporate.
1: Because I think a lot of our coaches are stuck there. Whether they have a gym that they're not maybe going around... They're stuck in this, like, I don't want to say stuck because I'm sure a lot of them really enjoy what they do, but mm-hmm. they're in this idea of, like, yeah, I run my own business, but from 6, most of them start at, like, 4 in the morning. Right. And then, you know, they might get a break in the day, but they got to come back to work. So what, yeah, so I know you're, I didn't mean to interrupt you there and stop your flow of thought, but so you're, you're in this space now going into all these houses, and there was another wake-up call, I'm assuming.
0: Yeah, I just remember staring at the ceiling in the middle of the night, like, super anxious. I was really anxious, and just remembering how it was still shitty. Like, to me, it was still shitty. I loved what I I did, but I just didn't have, I had the work down, but now the life part was come totally off. The balance was off. Um, and so online coaching was really the the space that you could get into where you could actually work with more clients. To me, you have more impact because now you can work exercise, nutrition, and mindset. And you can do it from anywhere. That's the beautiful part of it. I like, are you fully
1: I'm virtual now?
0: Fully virtual. I do not have, I don't have an office space. I, I've always, I've always, I guess I would personal train for seven months and then I've gone fully vo- virtual and I've been fully
1: virtual ever since. You were only training in people for seven months? Seven months. It yeah. took that long to wake up. Okay. Yep. That's like a short amount of time. <laughs> so do you at all miss like the in-person interactions and like training people in person?
0: I do. I really am, especially in such a connected world, we're so disconnected Mm -hmm. as humans, in my opinion. So I really do like to be face to face, but I travel so much. uh, It's my favorite thing to do. So a lot of the times I'll make pit stops in areas where my clients are and I get to meet up with them and take them to dinner or get a workout in with them or, you know, that type of thing. So I still get that. But I honestly, I wouldn't I wouldn't trade it for the world. If I want to see their face, I get on video. And if I'm traveling in their area, I make an effort to see them.
1: Are most of your clients based in the U.S. or do you find that you attract like an international group of people?
0: Most are in the U.S. for sure. I've worked with quite a few girls in Canada, worked with a couple girls in Mexico, and then I've worked with like Europe. I've worked with a couple girls, but not most of them are U.S.
1: So... I think what also intimidates people is like when you're, you know, you're a trainer and you've built this really good in-person practice, there's an ability to like walk and talk to people or um, randomly word of mouth in your community. But how do you start gaining clients online? If like, let's say, listen, now, now we've evolved me. I'm now like a successful trainer. I do 30 hours a week. I'm making good money, but I'm, I'm starting to hit this burnout. Maybe I have a kid coming. And it's like, I don't want to be trapped in this hour by hour. Mm-hmm. So what, do, what are like my first steps to start attracting the right online clients? So I know we talked about social media, getting mm-hmm. our message out there, but if what you, else could we do?
0: Y- you just have to ask. That's really the, it sounds really simple and it is, but if you're online in any capacity, you just have to ask. I mean, you really have to have some sort of call to action that says, hey, I'm taking online clients. At least have your system laid out. It doesn't mm-hmm. need to be all built out right away. If you think about it, you onboard them, and then maybe you build out the first two weeks. That's fine. If you want to build a beta program, fine. Be honest with your clients and say, hey, this is, you know, I've been working with clients for a while. This is what we normally do when I'm in person, but this is still a beta experience because I've never done it before. You can go the honest route. If you don't want to tell people that you're newly online, fine, but make sure your programming is great. But you really only have to have two weeks, and then you build two weeks out at a time. Get a ton of feedback from your clients, tweak it just like you would in, in person, and And um, as far as social media goes, it's really just getting on there and showing people what you're doing and then asking.
1: Are you comfortable sharing? Because again, I think just because when I hear all this feedback from coaches, you're like, I've thought of online, but I'm worried about X, Y, Z. Another concern is like when I'm seeing you every four times a week in my gym, I'm not so worried about like, there's a human interaction. You start to build a habit. You start to come in like... I may not have to stress the sale of a package as much, but when you're online, it's like, well, what if these people just take my program and they're like, done with me? How do you structure, if you're comfortable sharing it, like the actual business side of an online training program versus like in person?
0: It's the same concept. You're still selling a package. But the you still have check ins. And if you're on an app, a lot of apps now have track, like Trainerize, that's the one that Or Train is Heroic, super, we like Train Heroic here. <laughs> perfect. There we go. <laughs>
1: I'm going to visit Either them one. tomorrow or in like next week. Yeah. Perfect. Sorry, Trainerize <laughs> no, is great too. No,
0: any, it doesn't matter. Any type of client management system is great that tracks them during yeah. their progress. So as a coach, you're still having to do check ins, right? You still need to check in with them once a week. That's what I would recommend. Uh, And if they have questions, they need to be able to have access to you. But you still hold them accountable that way. Mm -hmm. Some people just don't do online coaching, and that's fine. They want to be in the gym, and they want a personal trainer that's in the gym. Those just aren't your people, obviously, that are going to buy your online programming.
1: But how do you price it versus in person? So, like, we're we're so used to the model of whatever you are, 80 bucks an hour, $100 an hour, $200 an hour. You come in, you pay me $200 for the hour. But how do you price your online packages to still get like enough income, but it's obviously—I don't think you're sitting there Zoom calling them all, all the time, right?
0: Oh my gosh, no, no, right. no! no. <laughs> right. yeah. Usually, when people come on, it's—it's it's the first couple of weeks is the most difficult transition, and then from there, they're really, really easy. Because a lot of the people that you are that you talk to, anyways, know that you're not going to be there in person. They're already independent in their own way. They just want to learn. Right. So that's the beautiful thing about online is you. Usually, it's the first couple of weeks that they're kind of high maintenance, and then after that, it's—it's it's pretty smooth sailing. As far as pricing goes, I teach people to sell no less than $1,500 for three months. It's so
1: $500 a month.
0: $500 a month. And if you break it down, that's $125 a week for less than an hour of your time a week. Obviously, you spend the first beginning programming. You might spend a couple hours programming for each client. But after that, you do check-ins. And check-ins are you know 10 to 20 minutes, depending on how complex the, the,
1: the protocol is. And how many people can you take on that model? Like how, how many Depends clients
0: on your bandwidth? Yeah. Usually, I mean, I got up to 50 clients at one time and it was just, it was at a point in my career where I, that was a little too many for me. I, I do more complex protocol now with my health coaching clients and my health coaching business. We do gut testing and things like that. And so that protocol becomes a little What's more. What's your favorite high gut test?
1: Is it GM app?
0: No, we actually just use a, a basic one like Biome.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. We're,
0: we're really looking for inflammatory signals. Yeah. Um, and that's. I'm just saying we... that
1: because DFH loves. We're we we have our own. Oh testing. shoot, that
0: was another plug. My sorry.
1: No, don't worry. It's, I, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <You're> like, <laughs> I'm just joking. Biome. I know who was his name. Just told me this. <laughs> Naveen Jain or whatever came up with Biome. Uh,
0: I actually don't. I don't know. I
1: think. Yeah. Anyways, but so you. Yeah, I get it. So, but but like for trainers. Um, and still, that scale, like 50 people, you can't train 50 people in person. No. Like there's not, especially if you're doing four times a week, it's like you're stuck at mm-hmm. maybe eight people, maybe 10 people. Right. But outside of even the initial money, like I think you talked about this idea of scale. scale and getting like, there's a power to having 50 clients that you can leverage other aspects of your business.
0: Yeah, in a way. It depends on what you're trying to leverage. At 50 clients, I didn't have time to expand on my business. So what I had to do was tone it back down and then charge more. So at that point, I'm able to charge. I mean, now we're charging, you know, depends on the protocol, but between two and three grand
1: for three months. And yeah. I have
0: coaches that are sitting about the same same price point.
1: So there's a good book called 10X is Easier Than 2X. Yeah. Have you read it?
0: I haven't read it, but oh. it's on my list. Okay. It's on my list of you books. You, Do you want me Please. to give you...
1: Please. Okay, so he's in Genius Network and he gave us like yeah. one of his 20-minute talks. So the idea is like 80% of your... I'm going to butcher this, but 80% of your time or 80% of your results comes from 20% of your efforts. Mm -hmm. And if you just keep ramping up that one thing, you can maybe two X, but you can't grow past that really. So for example, with you, you have 50 clients, maybe you can stretch 55, maybe 60, maybe you hire another coach, but it's like really difficult to scale that. So what efforts could you do that would leverage that 50, those 50 clients to still make more income, but not necessarily the equal amount of effort. So like for us, for example, like we only sell supplements, We're really here to support coaches. Mm -hmm. So I always stress to coaches, like, you should have a really good supplement business. Like, obviously, I love us. But whether it's us or somebody else, it's an easy way to, you know, maximize profits with your clients, get them a product that you know you like, that's going to get results. Mm -hmm. They're going to buy that elsewhere. So when you have, like, your online model where you have 50 people as your audience, there's other things you can pull in. Absolutely. Yeah. Do you do that often in your business now?
0: I think we more focus on client retention. I yeah. think that's probably the better model for something like that. But yeah, we uh, partner with supplement companies. Um, and you just can, not
1: us yet. Yeah. We're going to close that gonna... on this podcast. <laughs> <Okay>. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Then apparel, that's another one. You can buy apparel for fairly cheap. I like apparel more mm-hmm. so for like giftology, the, the concept of giftology. Like you resign, you get a hat, you resign, you get a gym bag and a, and a shaker mm-hmm. bottle. And, you know, that, but specifically as far as m- making more and essentially you're packing on to a bigger package is what i'm hearing what you're what you're getting at
1: it's more that you like you have these 50 people basically i'm trying to get like the most successful entrepreneurs i know they don't pigeonhole themselves mm-hmm. so like yes you're a coach and you're coaching people but you have 50 people who are all a similar avatar type mm-hmm. and whether that's you deciding to do a retreat or you deciding yeah. to hey, I got this cookbook, or hey, I really like this. Like, I like juve lights. I think everyone on the team should, you know, all my clients should have juve lights. You have more influence when you're in your online model versus, like, if I'm a trainer and I only have 10 people I interact with, there's some influence, but you have five times the amount when you have 50. Right. So there's other ways to like build your business outside of just that like narrow focus that originally got you those
0: yeah, 50 right. people. We have a rinse and repeat method. I also a couple of years ago started working with influencers and build influencers. They say what they're really good at, which is influencing and building a community. And then we monetize that community. So it's a rinse and repeat method. And really any online coach should start with this is run some sort of challenge run a, but run a good challenge. Not like a, you know, fat loss, you know, 30 day fat loss challenge.
1: Or not like, what's it called? 75 hard. Yeah. <laughs> Don't get me started. That you I... know people get burnt. No, it's like, we want to create a challenge. Maybe you can help us do it where it's yeah. like with our coaches and you look at 75 hard and people just break their bodies. Yes. Like I, I can't handle two a day training for 75 days. Plus like no.
0: I, I really like First Form. Um, I'm actually contract I've been contract with them for a long time.
1: We'll we we'll edit that out. Um, <laughs> no, we're not gonna edit that out, continue.
0: <laughs> I just but one thing that I do like about their business model is the community aspect of it. Mm-hmm. That is what makes first form so valuable in as a company is the die hard community that they've created. Yeah. And that's what the type of thing that you can create online and that is that's a recession proof business mm-hmm. because people are die hard about the brand and the vision and that's what you need to create online is create that vision it goes back to your purpose what is the bigger vision of your business and that is going to create your brand and that's going to create a community that believe in the same things you do and then it's monetizable at every point in your business.
1: Yeah and it doesn't feel dirty cuz you're sticking to your values like so right. About a year ago, was it a year ago? Yeah, last July, I brought the whole team in Mm -hmm. uh, to our office. And we sat, I do this exercise where I muscle test your values to see what your actual (laughs) values are. And I drove my team nuts because it took us four hours to get down to like our six true values as a a whole team. And the idea is like, if we build a business off those values, we're never going to get that dirty feeling about business. Yes. Because then it's like, yeah, we're we're happy to, you know, promote X, Y, Z. And I do agree with you. First Forms built a really good community system. Uh, it's something that we're really passionate about building is like our own version of it because we're different types of companies. And it's something that I want to drive coaches to do in their own businesses, like really build that community.
0: It's the most important thing. It goes back to your email list. I mean, if you can create a really strong community, have a, your community, you're going to have their emails, right? That's the point of them being in the communities for you to be able to... And it's harder and to
1: leave then once you have, it's a lot it. like if leave. you bring people joy outside of just that one transactional sale, they're going to be stuck to you a lot longer because you're bringing them joy in more aspects than yep. just like let's say the supplement for us or the right one-on-one training.
0: And if you really enjoy the service, it goes back to being fulfilled in your own purpose and what mm-hmm. you're doing. You, serving your community is gonna be so easy. You're gonna to want to get to know the people in there. I mean, we do things in our community where it's, it's like, send a picture of your dog. Like everyone share a picture of your dog and, or. Um,
1: How many dogs do you have two? I
0: have two, yeah.
1: German Shepherds. Two German
0: Shepherds, yes.
1: <laughs> Those are big dogs. I had a German Shepherd Husky. That's that's the close I ever got to a straight German Shepherd. So
0: big, so big dog, yeah. But that's stuff that you actually get to know people as people versus, mm-hmm. you don't wanna look at them as a, as a dollar sign. The minute you look at them as a dollar sign, you lose and you're not, you're not going to create a solid community. It's really important to look at them as humans, even though you may not have seen them face-to-face yet. Maybe you get on a Zoom call with them at some point because they want to join your, your coaching or your strength and conditioning course or whatever it is you're selling. You, the minute you look at them like a dollar sign, it's, it's game over.
1: Yeah, and it's something that's a common thread on this podcast is like the idea of a mission-based business versus a profit-based business. You obviously need to make a profit as a business. Of course. And especially your strength coach, like you're going to feed your family that way or your dietitian. But having this like bigger mission, time back to what you brought up, like what is your purpose? Mm-hmm. It gives you, I think, like an extra gear. And we're going to do something we've never done on this podcast. You're going to sub in for two seconds.
2: Hello, Alec. Oh, hey, how's it going? <laughs> Good, how are you? Doing well. So um, jumping in here, uh, my name is Alec. I'm a part of Science for Sport Been with the company for about two years now. Uh, mostly operations. I've never done anything like this. Remotely, <laughs> Great. So. First things first, get closer. Oh, <laughs> okay. thank you. I needed that. <laughs> yeah. you no. Know. So yeah, I'm just meeting you today as well. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I know that we're connected through our network, but yeah, like what, what do you do
0: for what do you do for design for sport?
2: So I am the operations manager. Okay. I help with all of the A back lot of end business. Business stuff, yeah. So doing inventory, um, you know, programming, uh, IT stuff. Uh, really anything that, you know, the sales reps need to, like, be successful, mm-hmm. you know, they kind of lean on me a little bit there. So. Yeah, great. Yeah.
0: What software do you
2: use? This softwares. is important. Okay. It can um, be
0: beneficial for a lot of...
2: Right. I mean, the softwares that we're using mostly is, of course, our Shopify. Mm-hmm. You know, so our Shopify is connected to a CRM. Uh, we're with NetSuite. And then also with our affiliate program, we're on something called Impact. Okay. Um, yeah. Are you familiar? Yep. So, yeah, very powerful system, uh, helps a lot of our uh, clients and, you know, personal trainers, strength coaches really just monetize their business.
0: That's another thing you can do as a trainer or coach. You can, if you create an affiliate community using something like Impact, they can push your product, push your sales, push, you know, and, and then it's easy. Impact automates that that kickback to your affiliates. But that's another way to expand as you create this community, this community is so die hard, and then from there you can pick, you know, five rock stars that are really involved, constantly sure. posting, talking to other people, offering advice, and then you say, hey, look, I'll coach you for free or I'll give you some incentive, you know, you incentivize it, something that they wouldn't otherwise be able to get, mm-hmm. right, They're, they become special. And then any client they bring, they get a kickback or, you know, if they're on social media, that's, but Impact is a great, is a great software for affiliates or
2: anything that you sell on the side. It makes it super easy. You know, Mm -hmm. everything's in one dashboard, you know, from reports to creatives to really anything you need to be successful. So we're excited with it. Yeah. 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 Tap in. (laughs) So it's funny though. That was perfect. That was perfect because
1: uh, Alec... He was responsible for like sourcing out our affiliate software. We call them pro partners, not affiliates.
0: I like that. Pro partners. Yeah. That's a good twist on the word.
1: And we're beta testing it right now if you'd like to come into the beta test. Sure. Absolutely. Oh, there we go. There we go. We got you signed up. We got you converted.
0: <laughs> you need more coffee. I'm not brain. supposed
1: to be drinking coffee on this cleanse. Oh. But there was no way this this was gonna happen without some coffee. <laughs> My brain was like, I was not, I was not with it. So yeah, I, I think. What I? So are you a solopreneur when you said that? Is it just you by yourself or did you end up building a team?
0: I have a team. Yeah, no, okay. I have a team. I really, I expanded my team really quickly when I was working with influencers. We essentially built their business. So they would come in, we'd take equity in the business, but the deal was is we, you know, we're in charge of creating the team. So we'd have coaches, we'd hire coaches, hire an operations manager, um, do all that fun stuff. So We slimmed that down because we were creating monsters in the fitness
1: space. Explain. I didn't want to. What do you mean by monsters?
0: Well, um, I see a lot of potential in communities. It goes back to the community. So on social media, when you find these influencers that have awesome communities and they're selling like $20 programs, I'm like, oh my gosh. Think of the impact you can make if you really had the right business systems in place to not only create the impact, but also create revenue. It changes lives. That type of revenue changes lives. And once you change their life with, you know, 500, 800K their first year in business through high ticket coaching, you create monsters because they've never had money before like that.
1: It, this is like, I think this is a struggle in, because I have a small coaching business too, I do on the side. And mm-hmm. it's like, what's been so great is it makes me empathize more with other coaches. Because, like, how do you, I can see it. Like, you know, you close this level of a program, then you want to close a little bit higher. Then the money starts Mm -hmm. to take over and the greed starts to take over. But I think it leads back to this, like, mission-focused thing to, like, defeat that. But, like, how often did someone turn into, quote-unquote, a monster when you saw them grow, percentage-wise?
0: Well, we worked with, a percentage-wise, I probably would say about half.
1: Wow. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, so you decided yeah. to blow that business up.
0: Yeah, we, we decided not to. I just decided to focus back on my own health coaching business. And now I get to coach for fun. We kind of took that off the table mm-hmm. and coach for fun and do database protocol and stuff like that. And that's really enjoyable to me. But I know that I'm in it for the right reasons. And, I, you know, I've seen it. I, I'm i not going to turn into a monster. So it's one of those, <laughs> you know, I, I have faith in myself. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, it's just not, it's not worth it. And it's when you are so mission and purpose driven, a lot of the times, if the influencer that you work with or anyone that you work with, if they don't see that mission and they don't feel the same drive to fulfill that purpose, you're always going to be putting in way more effort than they are. And then getting, and then I was getting underpaid for that effort. So
1: that's what is your mission? My mission. Are you okay sharing your mission?
0: Yes. Yeah, of course. So getting into the the fitness industry, it was helping a hundred thousand women. So that was one thing when I sat down and, and, built my purpose. It was a hundred thousand women in health and wellness. And then as my, as my businesses started to evolve, I realized that if I helped coaches become really great coaches and business owners, they, then it's the snowball effect. So then it's a hundred thousand people, a hundred thousand clients in health in general. Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily need to, to work with them one-on-one, but if I train you and you train, you know, 100,000 people over the course of your career, now we're, now we're, I really call it trickle somewhere. down
1: health. You know, there was trickle yeah. down economics. Yes. It's yes. the idea of trickle down health. Same you influence thing. people, then they influence. Yep. And yeah.
0: Yes. So I should coin that. That's really, you should. That's great. Yeah. That's your book.
1: <laughs> uh, I just had someone channel my book. They're ingenious. I'll tell you about it in a second, but yeah, continue.
0: No, it's just now it's getting to the point where the picture is bigger. It's, it's 100 million women specifically. I started working with women, but now I work with a lot of men in the gym space, supplement space too. Mm-hmm software space yeah
1: and where did that drive come from
0: the drive for business or the mo- like the motivation no, no like agitation? it's a
1: big task to try to take on helping that many people and you have to have a level of selflessness to do that because as much as it can be a lucrative career it's very hard to do yeah it's taxing. like you go into people's darkness with them when you do that so like right. where do you find the motivation to not just hang up the hat and like go sell an easy product like to keep doing what you're doing
0: I just it it feels good. It's a feel good career. It's very fulfilling, and I couldn't imagine doing something different. Mm-hmm. And I think it, there's not really. I don't really believe in motivation. It's not really my.
1: I don't. Really Are you be- one of those dedication over motivation? What is? No,
0: it's just more of like I don't want something external to motivate me, and that's what a lot of motivation is. It's a lot of times, external. Internally, I would just say it's more the fulfillment that comes from helping these people, and and really when you get clients that come back to you and they say, you know, I was able to pay off my my student debt. I had I just had a gal who's been with me for under a year, within six months, she paid off like $120,000 of, of her student debt. And she's like, I would never be able to do this without you. I feel free. I'm, you know, and I got to do it doing something that I love. And so that's, to me, that's like, okay, we're really, when you hear that, you know, that you're making a difference. And to me, that's, that's.
1: If people wanted to find you, cause I think they're a, I would love to, if you're open to teaching a masterclass for us, they would love to. Okay. Absolutely. So we'll bring you on for a masterclass um, this is our version of like giving out free education. Like we do sure. an hour long webinar once a month with industry experts, but if people wanted to find you, where could they find you?
0: Yes. So on Instagram, Sam Davis official is my larger account and I'm oh, just podcast and my podcast. Yeah. Tequila talks. So I start to dive. Do you
1: get hammered on tequila every time you do that podcast?
0: <laughs> no, no. My you mom just... asked me the same thing. She's like, I'm concerned about you. If you're drinking,
1: tequila is time. the healthiest alcohol. I don't really drink, but it like, is. yeah.
0: I'm a tequila drinker, period, whether it's healthy or not. But it's it was more so the concept was I like authentic, easygoing, unfiltered conversations. And usually when people start to drink tequila, that those you know, you get a few walls that come way down. I wonder so. if DFS should <laughs> yeah. adopt that. Should
1: we do adopt that on leaders in sport, maybe? But
0: <laughs> so that's the concept. So I sorry, want so you're,
1: your your uh, your Instagram was what again?
0: Sam Davis Official. Okay,
1: Sam Davis Official. Mm -hmm.
0: Tequila Talks, we just launched that in March, so that's revving up. um, But we've been getting a lot of really good feedback. I talk a lot about what I teach in health and then also in business. It's a kind of... While drinking tequila. It's both, yeah. (laughs) And then my guests and I, yeah, some of them were drinking tequila Um, on the guests.
1: Yeah, and so, you know, I did this in reverse order to say, sorry, I'm going to blame my cleanse. I actually like to summarize what we spoke because there was a lot of like wide net information today, yes. but I wanted to distill it down into like three lessons. So if there was like three things that people could take with them, tell me if I hit on them. I think one is tying yourself to a mission that's bigger than yourself and not just profits Yes, or a life purpose or something. Mm-hmm. Two is if you do want to get out there and start doing online, just start doing the work. Like whether it's just like sharing your knowledge or getting some content out there. Yes. Don't hide from the actual work.
0: Start with your story. That's It's really easy to talk about yourself. So start with your story and why you're in this industry in the first place and people are going to resonate. And I would recommend using setting some emotion behind it. Maybe you went through your own transformation when you were younger. Maybe you were an athlete. Uh, maybe you were doing it because you had... Um, a parent or a grandparent pass away and now first from some health-related thing that could have been solved. You know, whatever that purpose is or excuse me, whatever the 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 catalyst for that purpose mm-hmm. was, share that. Start there.
1: Okay, good. And what should we do for number three? What would be the three, third best lesson?
0: The third best lesson, I would say, is if you're not putting out content, you're being very selfish.
1: Yes, I like that. Yes. Okay, if you're not so selfish to craft, not share your knowledge. Not
0: sharing your knowledge. <coughs> If people, the thing is, is knowledge, the knowledge that you're learning, there's it's multifaceted. So if you just take one of those facets and break it down maybe into micro pieces, you still are an industry expert and an authority in the space. They don't have the full programming. They don't have all your protocol. And if you go to my Instagram and you scroll all the way down when I was health coaching, you quite literally could build your own program based on the way that I protocol, but no one's gonna sit there and go through hundreds of pieces of content
1: to put it all together. One of my mentors said this we don't have an information problem. There's tons of information everywhere. Mm-hmm. It's the knowledge to apply the information. Right. It's the That's, application. It's the application. I think people get stuck like, Oh, if I get you have Google now to search almost what and chat G P T. Yeah, you can To like Google it'll make you a whole program. Yeah, if you exactly. Want. But That energy that you bring as the expert and, like, holding space for people and, like, able to properly coach them, that I don't think is replicable through a Google.
0: People are paying you for you, how you apply. They know you're an expert. They know you – if you have – or, excuse me, letters behind your name and you're educated and you say that, they know that you know how to coach or you have testimonials, whatever. Mm. They know you're good at it. but why should they work with you? How do they relate to you to the point where they're like, man, that story really hit home. I can relate. I'm going through the same thing. I want to work with this person because they've already gone through it mm-hmm. or they've worked with clients who are going through what I'm currently going through and they've come out the other end successful. So it's, your story is everything. And if you can tie things emotionally into your content, again, you're in a really powerful position to attract the right people.
1: I love it. That's a perfect ending. So thank you guys for listening. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me. That was another episode of Leaders in Sport. And if you do want to find me, it's born underscore boxer. And looking forward to speaking with you guys next time.
0: Can't wait. Thank you.
1: Thank you again for joining us in Leaders in Sport. I'm your host, Jordan Boxer, and we just want to thank you from everyone at Designs for Sport for giving us your time and attention. We hope to continue to bring you episodes that will help pique your interest and help you elevate your career so we can elevate the industry. Thank you.